from chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. So uh, let's go for it, CJ. So if we look back and see uh, what's happening in chapter 3, there's a guy who's healed, and it creates wonderful response, but it also creates opposition. So in chapter 4, you've got opposition from without. I read Acts from one standpoint. Where is their opposition, and when is it opposition from without, and when is it opposition from within? So you get both kinds of opposition. In chapter 4, it's opposition from without, but they respond to opposition from without, uh, from without consistently in a God-honoring way. So here they are, released, and they're praying, and the Lord shakes the place. And then we read about their sharing their possessions. Hey, listen, if we were to do that like they were, they were doing it, would there be problems? The answer, I would say, is yes. Sooner or later, you're going to get problems. If you start doing something that radical, you know, it's a wonderful thing, but there would be problems. Well, they start doing it, and in chapter 5, there's a problem. Now, this is not from without, within. And what I want to say to you today, I'm going to say five things about leadership. Leaders take problems seriously. Say it with me. Leaders take problems seriously. It's easy to ignore a problem. Because problems can frustrate you, and so leaders can avoid them. Parents can avoid them. Teachers can avoid them. Coaches can avoid them. You can't avoid them. In the world, you would have tribulation. She could have said in the church, you'll have tribulation. In the family, you'll have tribulation. We have it everywhere. It's a part of life, right? And so Peter responds to this problem. Here's my question. Did he overreact? Somebody dropped dead. Can you imagine that happening? And I would think somebody's going to say, Peter, you overreacted. He didn't. God reacted. God responded. Peter didn't say drop dead, but a person died. What, was it a negative or positive response to what happened? It was positive because leadership was involved in a God-honoring way. And so there was growth, and there were many more people that were healed. And then there is... More opposition. And they, they decided to take Gamaliel's word and send them off, but not before they flogged him. Hey, flogging is not a little spanking. Flogging cuts open your back. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name. Way to go. So in chapter 6 now, there's another problem. Look at it as I read it, chapter 6, verse 1. There are Bibles here. I want you to have Bibles. I want you to see the text. It's a good thing to be able to see it. Pass those around. If anybody needs one, raise your hand. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, good thing, right? There's growth. The Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews. This is not a Gentile problem. This is a problem between Jews and Jews. Jews that live in Jerusalem and are proud that they live in Jerusalem, proud that they live in Palestine, and Jews that are in Crete or Cyprus or Antioch, and there's some tension. Surprise? 
That didn't surprise me. Are they being neglected? Sounds like it. That would be a natural thing. Wouldn't, wouldn't someone a favor the Jerusalem Jews? Aren't they a little more pure, maybe? A little more godly because they live in the holy city, the city of the great king, Psalm 47. So they complain. Oh, they're just whining. Shut up. Not this time. Leaders take problems seriously. I wish people had taken the problems seriously when they first heard that Bill Gothard was, ale- was alleged to have an issue with uh, young adults. You ever heard the name Bill Gothard? Raise your hand if you heard Bill Gothard. He was a phenomenon in the, in con- amongst conservative Christians. Now there are four, 34 allegations against sexual misconduct, and he is not dealing with it in a godly way. I know him. I met him personally. He did not deal with it. His board did not deal with it. They still haven't dealt with it appropriately. It's sad for the church when, when, when people aren't listened to that have allegations. Finally, they started coming forth. Bill Gothard, think of another one. Bill Cosby, right? It's sad. It's very sad. We have to believe and listen and take issues seriously. They were complaining, and the apostles took it seriously, and they did something about it. Way to go, apostles. So how'd they do it? So the 12 gathered all the disciples together. They didn't say, we'll take care of it. They gathered all the disciples together. Second thing I want to say is that leaders trust people. The epistles are written to all the church, and it's read to all the church, and including, it says in Philippians, the overseers and the deacons. So Paul trusted the people of God to deal with problems. So did the apostles. They brought them together. And they said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. I wish pastors could do that. Pastors take on too much, typically. Wouldn't you say that's true? And they, they, they don't understand what their role is in leadership. And so they get involved in all kinds of things and end up having devotions for 15 minutes. I was shocked when uh, Bishop Faldi came to our pastor's fellowship and he told us how much time he gave to his personal time. It was 15 or 20 minutes. Then he went around and asked each pastor to share how much time. They didn't get this, that they're supposed to give themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word as leaders in order to see, to discern, to differentiate what, is, what they're called to and what they're not called to. I wish I trusted my people as a young pastor as much as they trusted me. They trusted me as a leader, and that's wonderful. Now I trust people, don't I? I trust God to work through people, not just leaders. It's a wonderful thing. And so they say to them, brothers, choose seven men from among you. That's important to to see here. You know them. Who are, it says in mind, who are known. This is an interesting word. 
You know what the word is? What does yours say? If it's a different translation, English, who are reported or of good report. Uh, okay, the word is martyreo, from which we get the word martyr. A martyr is a witness. Stephen was not a martyr because he was killed. Stephen was a martyr because he was a witness before he died. And then he was martyred for his martyring, for his witnessing. And so they were told to men who are known, men who have a good reputation, are full of the Spirit and wisdom. I once heard a guy say, you know, he's, he's emotionally not healthy, and I don't know if he's a Christian, but he's really good with finances. Would you put him on your board? Would you, help him, would you let him help out? with? These are table servers. Look at the recommendations. Look at what they needed to have. They needed to be full of the Spirit. What's it, what does it mean to be full of the Spirit? Does it mean to speak in tongues? No. I speak in tongues. It means that your character and your charisma are, coming, are, are, are moving along together. That your charisma is not outrunning your character. He had character. He had wisdom. He had faith. And he had the gifts of the Spirit. And he was powerful. Now, he could have said, hey, just waiting tables. Come on, guys. Don't you know that I got more than that? Man, you do what you're called to do. You're faithful with the whatever. Will God expand your territory? You didn't convince me in answering that question. Will God expand your territory? Absolutely he will. Faithful in a little, faithful in much. Stephen was being faithful. He's a table server. That didn't, that, uh, don't you see my real gifts? I'm apostolic. I can lay hands on the sick and they recover. He, he just accepted and God stretched him. God will do that for you if you go low. Don't look for the big job. Don't, don't complain because you're not doing something somebody else is doing. That You ought to be up in front like other people. Do what you're called to do. Do what God gives you to do. And be faithful in it and watch God expand it. You don't have to advertise. He wasn't advertising. He was just doing it and it just happened. Praise the Lord. I love it. Leaders trust people. I remember a meeting that I had. It's funny. I did the right thing this time. I didn't always do the right thing, but this time there was a controversy. It was a big one in the congregation between two different groups. We had a confirmation program that Larry Christensen had written. It's, it was really good stuff. It was discipling kids who were in middle school, and there were two different groups, Alan Roethlisberger over here and Tobias Scott over here. Alan was do it by the books. Tobias was do it with relationally. And he thought he was just loosey-goosey, and he thought he was legalistic. So I brought them together on a Sunday afternoon, and they actually sat where they would vote. It was funny to me to get up and see, well, Alan and his team are over here, and there are probably 40 people there, and Tobiah and his team, no, they were over the other way around. Alan was over here, and Tobiah was over here. All I did was share the problem. As a leader, it was a problem, and they needed to solve it. I couldn't solve that one because I wasn't going to tell them. I, I gave it to them. I was shocked by the end of the meeting. They had actually moved in their physical places, and they solved the problem. 
because I trusted them to do it. I've seen it so many times where leaders don't trust the people of God to deal as adults with issues, and boy, that sure taught me a lesson. Division of labor. We need this body. If you don't know what you're called to do here, and we don't know what you're called to do, maybe we ought to sit down together because we need one another. We need the body of Christ. Okay, number three, every position requires you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There aren't some that are less important, so we don't need the Holy Spirit. They needed table servers who were full of the Holy Spirit. Because they could have, uh, they, they could either prohibit this problem or they could proliferate it by their outlook. I want you to notice all those names sound like Greek names. Starting with Stephanos. The names of the people that are chosen are Greek they went over backwards in dealing with this issue. We're going to make sure <laughs> that those Grecian Jews are not neglected. And so we're going to appoint people who have a special interest in that. How wonderful those leaders were to see the problem and to uh, release people who then pointed people that the uh, people trusted. So, number four, people trust the leadership. We will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. Great proposal. It pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, also, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles. Look at what they did now. Okay, we'll take care of it. They connected back with the leadership. It's a wonderful symmetry going back and forth. They connected back with the leadership who prayed and laid hands on them. They respected the leaders. They respected them so much that when Ananias dropped dead, it brought fear in the people of God. They trusted leadership. They were worthy of trust, but the leaders also trusted the people. So I want that to be true among us. If you have issues, if you have complaints, you can bring them to us. I trust that we'll listen to them. We have wonderful leaders here, but we're all called to be a part. Final thing I want to say is church growth comes from church health. We don't try to grow. Karen and I, we had kids. We didn't plan on how many we'd have. We'd, we just kept doing what we were doing and, and uh, enjoying whom God gave us. And uh, we didn't say, oh, I hope they grow. I hope they grow. We just fed them. We gave them healthy food. What does growth here come from? It comes from doing things right. It comes from God moving among them and not from them saying, we really got to grow, we really got to grow. This place is going to grow. We don't have to emphasize growth. We emphasize church health. <coughs> I want to I pray for this now. I want to bless our leaders here. I want to bless the people of God here. Good things happening in the book of Acts. Good things happening here among us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for those that you have chosen here to 
help give oversight. I thank you for Bob. I bless Bob Newman. Put your hand on him back there. We bless Bob. We thank you for him. We thank you for the way that he is stewarding his leadership. We thank you for his faith. We thank you for his passion. We thank you that uh, we can see the character of Christ in him. And, and we thank you for the leadership team. We thank you for those who are helping him do this work of leading. Okay. And we thank you, God, for one another. We thank you for the testimonies we got today from Ann and the testimony from Lisa. We're grateful, God, that we need one another. That, that may have struck your heart more than the words that I've spoke. Praise the Lord if it did. And we bless Joe. We bless him now as he takes it and moves on. Amen. So yeah, that's that's really good. It's good when a leader knows how to be a leader, mainly by being humble and following God. Um, so you know, earlier when Paul said, "Hey, you know, we don't need to to speak because you can all t- testify." That's that's absolutely true. Um, like he just said, God will grow this place absolutely, and we're glad every one of you's here. Maybe at some point God will call you somewhere else. That could happen. Could happen real soon for some of you, and that's awesome. Um, But I'll just give you this. I would strongly advise you, don't ever go to a church where you can't get the microphone. That's the old way and not the real old way. In Acts, you could have got the microphone because the leaders knew God. They knew his spirit was in everyone. They believed in everyone. If it's just those three people are the only ones who can ever speak in this church, you can sing and then get out the door. I don't know that you belong there, you know, because I don't think they really value you. I don't think they really feel they need you and want you and that you have something to give to them. But I believe everyone in this room has something to give. And not it's not going to be every week. You know, don't, don't think, oh, man, I didn't, didn't say anything. That's okay. But, you know, if, if uh, a year goes by and you've never said, hey, I, I really got something I want to I say or testify or whatever, then maybe think, okay, well, maybe you just need a little more boldness, a little more oomph, a little more something, because we want to hear from you. We need to hear from you because we need to be encouraged, you know. Um, so let me steal Paul's message then, seeing God gave him a new great one this morning. So Stephen was waiting on tables. And, yeah, did he have more in him? Absolutely. And it it only took the next verse to find the more. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. That's probably not getting the bread and butter put out. You know, he he did that. He had his bread and butter, his meat and potatoes, and then he also had the fireworks, you know, uh, because he had it in him. So he was doing that kind of stuff, living a faithful life, and there's going to be trouble from without. He found it. It found him. The council hauls him in. He stands before them, says, oh, guys, this Jesus, he's the real deal. And they get really angry. They gnash their teeth at him, and he, uh, they're all gazing at him. And all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. So if you have the right stuff in you, you say, oh, yeah, I can try and bless you by doing the humble thing. That's great. 
But I don't only need to do the humble thing. Great signs and wonders can happen as well. Absolutely. And when people come against me, I don't depend on you applauding my table serving. I don't depend on you standing in awe of the signs and wonders God's doing through me. Why is that happening? Because the Holy Spirit lives in me. So when opposition comes, guess what? The Holy Spirit still lives in him, so he's going to handle it in the right way. And all the more so, the Spirit's going to come upon him. You know, First Peter, uh, when you are reviled for the sake of Christ, you are blessed for the Spirit of glory and of God will rest upon you. You know, so trouble comes. That's an invitation for God's Spirit to rise up all the more powerfully. And then... If we wanted to hear a good sermon, we'd probably just read Acts 7 and uh, hear what Stephen said to those guys. You know, hey, you're all messed up. You're on the wrong side. So then, of course, they get angry and they're going to stone him. And, uh, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and uh, prays for them, cries out with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. You know, so... Death by drowning, horrible fear. I share that with you, you know. Um, death by any means, strange, bad enemy, shouldn't happen. But it's part of life as we know it, you know. But you know what? One of the main thing it is for a Christian is just it's a nap. And you wake up somewhere better, you know, with someone better who, wow, having God's spirit live in me, that's awesome. Seeing Jesus face to face, boy, that's a good trade, you know. So if the worst that the world can do is give you the thing you want most, they're not much of a threat. You know, if we can get over being offended, being discouraged, being fearful, at the end of the day, they can't hurt us, and we can bless them immensely. So, uh, yeah, there's there's the next sermon, and maybe I should go to my notes as well. <laughs> no one's done that yet today, but we'll give it a try. Uh, so speaking of everybody, we do have the man with the golden voice who's going to read out of Acts 8 for us. On, on the 25? Yes, sir. Your 25. <clears throat> and Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed them to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs he did, they heard, they heard him. When they heard him and saw the signs he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him, because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. 
But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing great signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought that you could obtain the gift of God with your money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. So, Saul was at Stephen's execution murder, and he approved. And upstairs during prayer, Steve said, Boy, you know, it's it's just sad, you know, a young man gets taken out, you know, Jim Elliott, you know, Stephen here in the Bible, he's like, he could have wrote great stuff like Paul did. And yeah, he could have. But you know what? What happened? And then, of course, Laura chimed in. Yeah, but you know what? Because of his death, there was a great revival. You know, um, so God won't waste our suffering. God won't waste our difficulty, our opposition. You know, he'll uh, he'll use it, bring much good out of it. Um, so Saul starts a great persecution. He's like, hey, we took this one guy out. Let's get rid of the rest of these troublemakers, you know. So he's going house to house, dragging them away, bringing them into prison. Not fun. And, you know, just because we have God's spirit and just because he's going to work everything for good and just because these people really can't hurt us doesn't mean you need to stay there, you know. I don't fault anybody for leaving Jerusalem at that time, you know. Sometimes God says, hey, go, protect yourself, save yourself, by all means, do it, Yep. But some people stayed. Those were the apostles. Maybe because they were the most spiritual. Maybe not. Let's not read more into that than we see. Maybe it was because God specifically gave them a call. I remember a couple weeks ago, you guys stay here, preach in the temple. You know, uh, you'll, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Ooh, and Samaria. How are we going to get there? Well, it might take the death of a good man. It might take a fool like Saul doing all sorts of horrible stuff. That might just be the pathway to Samaria. So those who were scattered were sent, you know, just like Joseph. Psalm 106, God sent him ahead to deliver the people from the famine. So the people scattered were sent by God to bring the gospel to all sorts of places that they wouldn't have gone otherwise because they had a great life in Jerusalem. Hey, we're all here together. This is the stuff we know. Our widows are even being taken care of now, so we're good here. 
Yeah, and God knows that. Comfort's pretty tough to let go of, so sometimes he's got to let us get a little shaken to let us realize, oh boy, there is something more to life than my comfort. By all means, I hope we all live a comfortable, long, healthy, fun life. I seek those things out, and so should you. But let's remember that there's really no comfort in comfort. There's comfort in God. And uh, doing what he wants us to when he wants us to is when we're really going to be comfortable. There's more uh, suicides I heard off some fancy bridge from some luxurious area in San Diego than off the Brooklyn Bridge. You know, people are seeking something and they're not finding it. And they're like, wow, everything that's supposed to work, I got, and it doesn't work. That's scary. Following God somewhere, that can be scary. But when you do that, and you're like, wow, I gave up everything that was supposed to work, and I got everything now. So that's, that's a good trade-off. Uh, so as Philip went down to Samaria, people paid attention to him because of his words. He was preaching the gospel. We need that. That's got to be out in front. But he wasn't just talking because talk gets old. You know, He was also doing some stuff. He said, whoa, you got sick people here? That's not good. That's not what God wants. Guess what? Be healed in Jesus' name. And they were healed. And whoa, yeah, you know, the gospel of the kingdom hasn't come here. Well, if the light's not there, what is? I would say the darkness. So there's plenty of demons there. And Philip says, that's not the way God wants this to be going. So how about this? I got the power of Jesus in me by the Holy Spirit. Demons, you're out of here. Well, that'll get people's attention, right? So he's preaching good things, healing people, getting rid of demons. People were amazed. They used to be amazed at the Simon the Magician. They thought, wow, he's the power of God. Then they saw the real power of God and said, oh, boy, Simon, you're old news. You know, we, we fill up. Um, this is much more exciting. And even Simon was amazed, thankfully, um, and believed. That's important, I think. These people believed. Now, the apostles heard what happened in Samaria. So Peter and John went down there. And they went down there with one purpose, to bring the Holy Spirit. Even though Philip was operating in the Spirit, they through the Spirit, knew that these people needed the Spirit. And some people like to say, oh, that's a one-time thing in church history because it's the gospel going out to the Gentiles. That's why they needed the Holy Spirit. I don't think that's what's going on here. In Acts 19, something very similar happens with Paul and the Ephesians, which clearly that wasn't the first time the Gentiles heard. Paul had been all around the world by this point. But he said to them, hey, um, you know, what have you guys been baptized into? Oh, into John, you know, repentance. You know, we, we know about Jesus. And if you know about John's baptism, you know about the Holy Spirit because he descended and God spoke from heaven saying, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. So they knew about the Holy Spirit, but they didn't really have the Holy Spirit. So Paul said to those Ephesian Christians, well, let's, let's get you further. How about the Holy Spirit, you know? And I think that's what's going on here in Samaria as well, that... Uh, Peter and John know these people believe they're in the kingdom. The Spirit of God has sealed them. He controls them. He owns them. But they're not experiencing him the way that they should and can be. So Peter and John wanted to fix that. So how did they do it? They did it through prayer because God's the only person who can dispense the Holy Spirit and who can dispense his gifts. And then, once again, I think Paul's always great on this, then they got physical. They said, all right, God's going to do it. You know how he's going to do it? By me laying my hands on you and touching you and letting the power flow through there. Uh, So these Samaritans already believed and were baptized, so all that was left for them was to receive. 
which I think is important because it's probably not going to happen to those who are resisting. If you want to strong arm the Holy Spirit, he will most likely let you do that. He might break in with some crazy vision or some experience where you're just like, all right, you're, yeah, I quit, you're, you got it. But most likely, if you don't want him doing too much in you, he will probably leave you to your own path. So I'd strongly encourage us, let's not resist, let's receive. Anytime someone's praying for you, you get someone's hand laid on you, Ooh, this is a good opportunity. I could get more of the Holy Spirit operating in me. That'd be great. Um, and of course, Simon said, that's good. I want that. What would that cost? And I've got these magic powers. People used to ooh and ah at me, but this is way better. I want in on that. And Peter thought that shows a really bad heart. You want to use the Holy Spirit for your own gains. I'm very angry at you and pray because maybe God will even forgive you for that. But, you know, it sounded Peter was pretty frustrated and upset, uh, which then makes me ask the question, well, Okay, so we, we like revival. I almost like that word awakening better, though, because it seems more broad. It can come to anybody, anywhere. They don't need anything in the past. You know, no re of anything. Just whatever God wants to awaken and bring to life, he can do. Uh, so why do I want that? Good question. Why do I want to be a part of that? Ooh, even better question, you know. Do I want to say, hey, there's some cool stuff going on. I'd like to dispense that, you know. That's a good thing if it comes from the right heart. If it's, wow, God's expanding his kingdom. God wants to see his name exalted. There's nothing I want more than that. God cares so much about these people that he wants to give them more of his spirit, more of the gifts of his spirit, more of the comfort of his spirit. I love these people too. I want to see that happen. I don't care at all about getting my name in the lights and, hey, well done, good job. You know, wow, you sure got it going on. So hopefully we can walk into this in the right spirit. Otherwise, we probably won't walk into it. We'll probably watch it. And that's, that's not where I want to be. Um, so Peter and John, they did their thing. They brought the Holy Spirit to Samaria. That's one of the biggest events in the history of the world. So they had every right to say, hey, all right, now it's vacation time. Now we take the long way home, go along the seashore, collect some shells. But uh, instead, they were right back to work. On the way back, they preached in many villages on the way home. So they did one of the greatest things in the history of the world, and they said, you know what? God's Spirit has more to do. Now, don't hear that and say, okay, we've got to amp it up. We've got to do, do, do. We've got to get into restrival. Absolutely not. Rejoice in what God has done. Rest in God. But as you're resting and rejoicing, always keep one ear open to say, hmm, is there something else you want me to do right now? So I'm excited to go to Wapaka because I believe God's going to bring the Holy Spirit to many people there. But what if at a gas station on the way home there's one more? Are we open to that? I sure hope so. What if on your next episode in life, who's that person I can love? You know. So hopefully as the Holy Spirit's filling us with all his fruit, all his comfort, our mind's going to slow down. We don't need to think about me, me, me. We don't need to worry about how's this going to work out. What do I got to do there? What's this person thinking and feeling? And all of a sudden, we're going to be like, whoa. I actually now have space in my being for love, for him, for power. So I encourage us all to uh, walk into that because I believe that's what God has for us.
let him wrap it up after I make a quick announcement. Um, we can't be here for Easter Sunday. We're going to be in Denver, but in the past we've done a brunch. So the following Sunday after Easter, Joel and I would like to host a resurrection brunch. And this is the scripture that's been going over and over in my head. Um, some of us are not free to actually go very far right now, but our hearts are with those of you that God is equipping to be able to go around the globe, and it's very exciting. And from Philippians 4, it says, um, Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. And I want to be that you. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, but I desire that more be credited to your account. So it's for our good that we give. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of glory in Christ Jesus our Lord, to the, our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So if your part is to be able to come and join and give, Joel and I love to cook. That's our part. You come and you bring your very best and help send those in our midst, Bob and Linda, Pastor Paul, whoever's going with them, any of you, that God has given the ability to go and the invitation to go. We want to be that church standing as our part of the body. Okay, so Resurrection Brunch on the Sunday after Easter. And then, Tabitha, you're going to be upstairs for people who want to help out. What time today are we going Two to three thirty, right? So think about that. And just two things that I thought of. Number one is conflict. How do you handle conflict? And that can make or break a family, or a church, or a work relationship. So I think that'd be a good something to talk about in small groups. And number two would be the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's the mover and shaker of the world. It's not me or you, it's the Holy Spirit. And we yield to the Holy Spirit and then we can co-labor, which is awesome. So maybe we could lay hands on one another and pray for more of the Holy Spirit to be equipped to do what God's called us to do. Okay? So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>